What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 48 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, May 24th, 2017. Holy shit, we're already at the end of May. We are well, well into the meat and potatoes 2017. I am well. I, I have like two more months of being 28, and then I'm going to be, God, where has my life gone to? Anyway, I'm here with uh, my, my co-host, Mike, who's also advancing in age rapidly. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Uh... Yeah, I'm 28, so um, that's fine. And life is great. And life is great, actually, to be honest. Uh, I'm here. No, I'm not dead. You know, things could be better, but things could also be a lot worse. And uh, the latest drama I'm dealing with is that damn permit, <laughs> the damn driver's permit I'm trying to get. I have to take the knowledge test. And over here in Washington, they've changed the rules up. So now the tests are harder. So before it was like 25 questions. Now it's 40 questions. Damn. And I, I, I failed it twice now. I didn't really fail it. That's what pisses me off about this fucking shit. It's I have missed 10 questions both these times. And that's not a passing grade, even though 30 out of 40 is a passing grade. Well, not for them. For some reason, the DMV or the government or whatever, Washington State, decides that, oh, no, that's not good enough. I'm sorry. You need to have, like, an 80%. So you can only miss eight problems. Yeah, you got, it's, it's a shame. You only miss eight questions. It's a shame you didn't get grandfathered in to uh, d- driving back in the day when uh, the driving test was, like, super easy because, yeah. man, you see some of these, these fucking idiots on the road and you just like wonder how did they ever pass yeah. their driving test, you know? And and now it sounds like, from what you're saying, they've gotten like super stringent with. Yeah. Do you remember and any then, of the questions? Like, I'm curious as to what they even asked. Oh now. God, um, they had one that was like a. They had some word problems that were kind of like situation things. Uh, what, what this guy? You know, they didn't really say this guy, but let's just say his name is Howard. Howard is. Uh, running, he had a long day at work, and he's really tired. Uh, what should he do before he goes home? And we have these multiple choice questions. So it's like, should he drive home as fast as possible? Should he stop by Seven Eleven and get an energy drink? Should he do all this other stuff? And then it's like, should he take a nap and then go home? And then I'm like, okay, take a nap. But then I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm like. That doesn't make any sense either. Like, where the where the fuck is he gonna take a nap in his car at work? <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, as I'm listening, to who that, takes a na- who takes a short nap before they go <laughs> drive home after a long day of work? In my mind, I'm thinking to myself, oh, like all of those are, are all of those are viable answers as far as I'm concerned. You know, <laughs> like. Well, I mean, then there's other stuff where it's just semantics wise or, or, you know, I was taking these tests online, which I thought were just a lot like the questions uh, that are on the test. But some of them are, some of them aren't. So, like, for instance, like, oh, uh, alcohol can be absorbed in your body, you know, for a certain amount of time. And what I kept reading is kept reading is your body can absorb the total of one alcohol, you know, draw one drink of alcohol one hour. And so I, I selected the 60 minutes and 90 minute one. Well, apparently I was wrong. But then again, I don't know what I got wrong because all I get in an e- is an email that just says, 
this is what you should look at, and that's it from the striving school. They just said these are the ones things that you missed. You should look at these. Uh, what 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 was the right answer? You know that would be more helpful than just telling me study this. They just tell you you suck. Yeah. Well, that sucks, man. Hang in there. You'll you pay get, you'll 25 get bucks. You got to pay money to do this shit, too. So at least, though, I get to take it again. And then, uh, you know, maybe I'll have to take it again after that. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, you'll you'll get it, I'm sure. Um, if not, then maybe they'll have, like, jet packs by the time you're finally able to drive. And you can <laughs> start. Or I'll just have to keep taking the bus, which isn't the worst thing ever. Or you can build uh, a cannon in your backyard and, and just, like, jettison yourself to, you know, in a vague area of what build, you think you need or to I can build. Or I can build the world's first uh, telepod and then, you know, make it so it doesn't fuck up. I got to make sure I don't have a fly in there, though, when I do the testing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That'll really fuck things up. Kill me. Kill me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I heard that you had some issues over at your place with uh, electrical problems. Oh, you heard, did you? You heard it through the grapevine. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, well, the house that I moved into is an old-ass house, which that's part of the charm of this area of Jacksonville. Yeah. All the houses look completely... It's like from the 20s? Oh, it's, is it's from the 40s. Um, well, I lived in a house that in Oklahoma City that I swear to God should have been condemned. They had a hole in the wall. Cockroaches could run in. A rat ran in earlier. I actually saw it in the house. Well, see, that's the thing. Uh, like, the place that I live in is is actually, it looks really nice. It doesn't even look really yeah. like it's from the 40s because it was renovated. And I don't know when they renovated it, but, um, you know, with old houses, you can. The electrical. You can put a new paint. You can put a new coat of paint on it, but the insides are still fucked. Uh-huh. And that, that yeah. ended up being the case. Uh, my. Uh, circuit breaker, the breaker was bad, and it, I started. I noticed it when I first moved in because the lights would flicker on and off in like a horror, like in a horror movie or something. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I got a haunted house. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I was like, well, okay, whatever, you know, this is an old house. And then I noticed that there started to uh, this hum, this humming sound or buzzing sound started coming from the breaker box, and I'm like, I am no electrician. Uh, but that's probably not normal. And then after that, I think the final straw for me when I was like, fuck it, I'm calling the property manager. And I got into a whole ordeal with that, which I won't even bore you guys with the, those details. But then I started smelling this burning plastic smell. From oh, the box. shit. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's going to be a fire if I leave this unattended. So I went a few days without electricity and then the electricians came at like 8.30 in the fucking morning and they said that they'd be there at 11, but they came at 8.30. Oh, great. So you're asleep and it's like knocking on your door, ding dong. And I had to stay awake the whole time they were there because I'm not going to go to sleep with strangers in my house. You know, I don't care who they are, you know, so I had to stay awake. You know, and that, I haven't seen the hour of 8.30 a.m. ever in, like, <laughs> anything in my whole life. Um, so that sucked. But, you know, and then on top of that, I got a call today saying that now an inspector from the state has to come by and inspect their work and make sure it was done right. And I'm like, well, when does the inspector come? And they're like, sir, we can't tell you. You know, we don't know. They just kind of show up. And I'm like, what, what the fuck? That's not public service at all. That's that's not no. customer service. That's, that's we a, just show up whenever. 
Yeah, like like they two o'clock in the morning. Here comes the <laughs> inspector. Hey, that'd be fine with me. I'd still be at least I'd be awake at two a.m. But to me, it's like you would save yourself so much hassle if you like started a scheduling uh, form of some kind of any kind. You know, yeah. oh, we can come by at such and such time. Okay, cool. Now I know to be home and awake for that. But when they go, yeah, we just kind of show up whenever. It's like. That seems very inefficient to me because the amount of times that you're going to roll up to someone's house and they're either not going to be there or they're not going to know who the hell you are and they're not going to answer the door. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It seems a little silly to me. Yeah. The electricity in, in the place I was living was pretty bad, too. I mean, it was so the wiring was so old that I couldn't even run my heater, my portable heater in my bedroom because it would flip the break. It would flip yeah. the break. Yeah. It's common in old houses. And so it was like tw- I think it was electricity from like the twenties. Yeah, the, it's they, insanity. They what they do is they the old houses are from oh God. I am like really treading into waters, dangerous waters here, where my ignorance is going to show very like, oh, no. a, like a bright beacon. My ignorance <laughs> is going to shine here. But I was told by one of the electricians that in old houses there are like two circuits in the entire house that everything runs off of like there's one in your kitchen and then there's one in the bedroom areas and he's saying you know if you have too much stuff going on on one circuit it shorts it out and heaters those portable heaters draw like 40 amps or watts or something which is a lot and so that's why those tend to short out the uh, breakers he said modern electrical wiring like each room has its own circuit so it's not as big of a, a load on the uh, overall uh-huh. thing but yeah, that's uh, I'm not going to go any deeper into that because I have no idea what I'm talking about. In other news, uh, sadly, right after we started uh, after right after we completed our last podcast, um, I got the really horrible news and my brother texted it to me. I swear to God, my brother gets off on breaking horrible news to me because he's always the first one to text me and go, yeah. hey, did you hear about such and such? But uh, yeah, Chris Cornell uh Committed suicide. Yeah. He took his own yeah, life. Yeah, I know. That uh, really... And that was, like, really soon after we... Dude, we you know, did, I, did our podcast. About, I had just talked about how I'd yeah. seen them at Rockville and how yeah. awesome they were. And then he... It, like, that's why it was so surreal to me because it's like, wait, what? I know. That's not possible. I just saw yeah. them. There's no way he could be dead. But, mm-hmm. yeah, rest in peace, Chris Cornell, lead singer of Soundgarden, Audio Slave. He was... Incredible singer, very upsetting, a lot, just markedly more upsetting than uh, a lot of celebrity deaths for me personally. Um, I mean, well, he's very, he was a, a very unique talent. Well, I mean, not only that, but it's like I had just seen him, dude. I had yeah. just seen him on stage, and he was like bantering with the audience in between songs uh-huh. and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like. You was, don't know. I mean, a lot of people, they, they hide their pain really well. Yeah, there's a bunch of and theories you don't know going until. around that he 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 was on Ativan, which is an antidepressant, uh, tip uh, specifically kind of tailored for people who used to do drugs and now they're trying to get off them. And apparently he took more Ativan than what he was supposed to, and one of the side effects is suicidal thoughts and tendencies. And they're saying that's something. So yeah, so it, you know that really sucks. And you know if if I wasn't so afraid of getting struck in for everything under the sun copyright wise i'd play some Soundgarden on this podcast yeah. but uh not gonna do that because i don't want to get uh the fucking hand of justice smacked down on me but 
Yeah. Uh, so where the fuck is season five of Unsolved Mysteries? Exactly. Right? Where's it at? I, I have I have no fucking clue. I know it's in Canada and in the UK, but not in the US for some reason. At this point, I'm like, give us season five and six. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. For being a dick, give us season yeah. five and six, assholes. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want. It's just baffling. It's like what is the holdup? It's like Filmrise played a joke on us with like between us and Canada because for the longest time they were they weren't giving Canada anything, and then they give Canada everything, and we yeah and we, and we get less, you know. Yeah. I mean, there and I remember there was like a message that uh, people on the message board were you know they were sharing, and they were the group, not message board. People in the group were sharing. Well, they, on that message board, they were sharing it too. But anyway, they were all like, "Oh, it'll be up in a few days." <laughs> any day. Now. Uh, it, it, it's been any day now. <laughs> it's been way past any day now. Which at first I didn't think I didn't I didn't really care. You know, like I wasn't really like one of those. I'm, guys. I'm still only on season two, so but oh, still, yeah. it's just one of those things. I'm like, just for completion's sake. It's the principle. You know, I, I, it's the principle. I don't like, you know, it's this whole, it should be here and it's not. That stuff just bugs me. Well, for me, like, I've actually right been place. on season, I, I, like, I'm on, like, episode 23 of season four. So, like, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I'm really like, uh, you know, c- come on. <laughs> I'm about to go into season five here. Where you at? Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the. I mean, it's bad is. enough you got these missing segments. You know, and then and then you're gonna have uh, no season five, but it's overseas. I mean, if it wasn't overseas, then then it wouldn't. Then I'd be like, okay, all right. Hey, I just got a text message, everybody, because I didn't. They're turn taking my phone a long on. time. They're taking a long time. Maybe it's a long epi- long season. But I don't. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me because it's available overseas. All right. Before moving forward, I just wanted to tell everybody that uh, I have been um, working tediously on um, remixing and remastering. Uh, I don't talk about this on the podcast at all, but uh, I have a band. Uh, I write and do all the my the music myself, and uh, it's called Dancing with Ghosts, and it's also the same tag as my YouTube channel. Um, and I'm gonna be actually making physical CDs here soon. And I'm gonna want to sell them to you fine people. Um, it's not happening now, but I'm just making you aware that in the future I will be peddling my Dancing with Ghost uh, album, my my first album ever that I'm gonna be releasing, and uh, so you'll be able to buy that at some point. Now, talking of music, I will probably put some of my music at the end of the podcast or something for you to listen to. Um, and speaking of plugging shit, uh, you can like us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. And consider donating to us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. I believe that uh, we probably have a live chat that we have coming up here soon. Me and Mike with uh, some of our $20 uh, tier donors. Because I think we did one last month. So I think another one's probably coming up here soon. But there's a bunch of different rewards and benefits and stuff. So go over there and check that out. Um, going into our first case, we hadn't talked, we haven't talked about this beforehand, so, uh, we're doing the, only the two segment thing here, so, uh, let's roll the dice. What are you thinking, Mike? I'm thinking let's talk about the, uh, the fraud case, uh, the fool's gold. I love fraud. 
Fool's Gold case. This is a case from season two. It's actually on the Amazon Prime uh, episodes. So it's I think it's episode 11. And um, this is one of the few... Uh, what are their like uh, subtitles they have on there where they're like their descriptions for what the segments are that actually does fit fool's gold. Actually did that, that actually fits this uh, segment really well. Some of the other ones are like, okay, that's kind of bizarre, but all right. And this is definitely a bizarre case. This is one that I had actually never seen before until I watched this episode on Amazon prime because I don't believe this was on the VHS rips that I, I, I had. Um, if it was, I don't remember, but I don't think so. Because no. I think I would remember something like a gold pyramid. Um, I remember this one was being like, uh, they had like the little preview of what's going to be on the show. Yeah. And before the show starts, and then there's this like gold pyramid thing. And I'm like, what? Gold pyramid? And fraud? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued right now. Um, Ed Barbera, uh, Barbara, or Barbera, uh, uh, Furniture USA, which is such a generic name for a furniture store. That sounds like a furniture store in Japan, like, that specializes in, like, furniture for fat people. Oh, come to Furniture USA! Johnny Furniture USA! Rocket! Fun time! <laughs> God. I wonder how many people are offended just then. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> okay, so Furniture USA was uh, the Bay Area's undisputed king of commercial interruptions in the 1970s and 80s. It was these really cheap commercials where this guy, Ed Barbera, uh, his name is hard for me to say for some, I keep wanting to say Barbarian or Barbara, you know, Ed Barbara or Barbera. I think it's Barbera. So Ed Barbera. He would go in and he would be the host, so he would be floating around because they shot him, and then they half-assedly superimposed his image over these, uh, over this footage of bed sets and all this stuff. So it was like a really shitty blue screening, and he's all like, "No cosigners, no credit references necessary," and and then he had a trademark catchphrase. Which he he would use to end every commercial, and it was it's so weird. And he would just end it like this: "Bye, kids." And he would start it with "Hi, kids." Yeah, he would start "Hi, kids." Bye, kids. It's almost like Krusty Khan. <laughs> Bye, kids. Oh, that was a horrible impression, but whatever, you get it. <laughs> Hi, kids. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Barbara Barbara's ads. Uh, I can't say, fuck. His name is killing Barbara, me. Barbara. God damn it. Barbara. Jesus, Mike. It's saying it like a goddamn barbarian. Okay, Barbara. His ads were a constant nuisance, but it worked. Because apparently there was a survey done at San Jose State University around the, the time when his ads were really popular. And 95% of San Jose State students knew who this guy was in a 1980 survey. And he's quoted here, and he says, no one forgets his worst enemy. <laughs> Actually, this is his first quote. He says, the secret to success is to irritate the public. Oh, my God. I learned many years ago that to be remembered, you have to irritate. That's so and true, that, though. If you think about, like, all the people who are, like, known now, most of them have, yeah, they have some kind of irritating gimmick that, like, 
you know, they hook themselves into people's stream of consciousness. No one forgets his worst enemy, he added. And for those clamoring to buy a new fridge from their worst enemy, Barbara was it was their man. But after he, you know, was doing all this stuff with the furniture stuff, Furniture USA wasn't making enough profit for him. He wanted more. He wanted a bigger piece of the pie, so he decided to try to join and try to do something in Wall Street. And in 1984, he founded this company called Dynapack Incorporated, which is this strange conglomerate corporation that included an automatic sofa bed company and a televised bingo scheme. And uh, this is a press release. Uh, uh, he was quoted here in a press release in uh, 1984. There will be no cost of money or consideration on the part of the players. In a press release for Intercom Network Bingo, which he asserted inventors, investors as a true mania with continued rapid growth. Yeah, televised bingo. <laughs> like, bingo on TV. Like, that's going to be a huge thing. Like, people are going to watch b- people play bingo on television. That sounds about as fun as watching uh, YouTubers play video games on uh, online, <laughs> which is something that I just don't understand and don't think is fun at all that people seem to be compelled by. But don't you do that sometimes? I've, I've made one playthrough on my channel. That's it. Oh, okay, yeah. I could see why if some of them have a certain personality to them, that's the whole so thing. they're so boring. I think, I think playthroughs yeah. are the most boring, stupidest video genre <laughs> <laughs> even though even though I've made one, and I don't begrudge anyone if they, because I know Mike, you've made a few, and I don't begrudge yeah. you for doing so. But just for me personally, watching them, oh god, I I can't. <laughs> I hate it when I, I'm subscribed to like a YouTuber that I really like, and their newest upload for that week is a goddamn walk a uh, playthrough. I'm like, oh damn it, man, I'm not watching this video this week. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so, uh, Barbara. He uh, ended up uh, doing this whole Dynapack thing, and he ended up uh, buying a 50% interest in this uh, gold mine called the Ladder Ranch Ladder Ranch Gold Mine, which was close to Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, which I find ironic. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of a funny name for a uh, city. That's an actual name, and it's ironic because of this whole fraud stuff. He's yeah. <laughs> so, That's the Truth or Consequences. <laughs> so... Uh, he ended up buying this gold mine and he was uh, trying to convince these investors and trying to tell them and sell them on this mine that had not had any luck whatsoever on getting any gold. It was just a complete waste of money and time. But he managed managed to really pull the wool over all these people's eyes. Uh, there was an attorney who was a celebrity attorney named Melvin Belli, Belli who wrote a letter urging potential investors not to miss out on Dynapack's motherload, and the company projected gold production worth $93 million in 1985. Shares surged from $2 in late 1984 to $8.32 by February of 1985. At one point, there were at least 17 uh, people who were invested in, in Dynapack stock. And at one point, Dynapack was worth over $136 million. Wow. I know, it's a crazy number. So the problem for these investors was that Dynapack's projections were more than just a little bit screwed up, more than a little bit skewed. They were 
bullshit. They were all built on bullshit. Uh, and uh, eventually, there were some investigative reports that happened. But before that, I think there was just there was this whole sort of thing where people were just like, "How are you? How are you really going to get this much gold out of this?" barren landscape and they had some kind of like process where they sifted through all the silt and they are able to find like gold dust yeah gold bits and they were able to he was like some like technology was going to use to like melt it down or something and you know get pure gold it was like 99.9 percent pure gold I think the biggest thing with these kind of frauds, like why they're able to like trick so many people, is I think that a lot of people see the how elaborate they get with like the infrastructure and the machinery and the factory or yeah. whatever, and they and the and, gold mine. Yeah, yeah. And I think most people think there's no way that somebody would go through all this trouble if this was bullshit, and I think that's how a lot of these scams, like the more elaborate scams, hook people in. Because yeah. it's just so damn elaborate, you know. So even uh, Barbera himself started to realize that people were starting to see that this might be a fishy operation, and it might be, you know, not what he says it is, and they're not going to be able to get the gold. Uh, he actually hired some guy later to try to prove that he can't. They can, he can get the amount of gold that he was projecting out of this mine. And so people were all freaked out about it, and so he tried to ease their concerns in the most just surreal way imaginable. This is one of my favorite moments in the entire segment. And, and so what he does is he goes in, gets these pretend, these investors, these uh, uh, stockholders, takes them to the mine. He gives some of them these uh, hard hats with VIP written on them. <laughs> what looks like a sharpie or something and then he brings them over brings out this smelter pours out what appears to be gold waits for it to set and shows them a golden pyramid a gold pyramid which is ironic because you could make an argument this was essentially a pyramid scheme in some ways so here he is he's got this pyramid He's like handing it off to his investors so they could take photos with it. And he's all claiming it's 99.9% pure gold. And you find out later that it was 99.9% pure copper. And he didn't even have the ability to even mine copper from his mine. He had to get it from somewhere else. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because even if he could, if he could mine for copper, I mean, uh, copper in well, at least it was a while well, ago. It's, it's, it's still pretty. Yeah, because my dad used to he used to be into scrapping, and uh, yeah. copper was you know. So he was a scrapper. Oh yeah, yeah he, 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 <laughs> he he's a scrapper. He, he don't you don't mess with my daddy. He scrap with you. He he set you straight. Uh, so I'll definitely take your advice, and I won't I won't mess with your daddy. But anyway, uh, so Ed uh, Barbero, you had this whole pyramid stuff, and they showed photos, and it is, I personally think it's gold. Like, it, it is just, just, it's one of those things where you just cannot believe that you, what you're looking at. <laughs> just like, oh, look, hey, pyramid, gold pyramid, this, this is, it's real, look, all, all this gold. 
And he was the type of guy, like a lot of these con men, which was really charismatic and bilked a lot of people out of their money. There was this one woman that she invested all of her life savings, all of her retirement, all of it into stock for Dynapack. And she lost it all. I think in general, anytime there's an opportunity to make money, even if it is legit, I think it's just a good rule of thumb to not invest your fucking life savings into it. Which is, yeah. I see, I see this a lot on this show, especially with uh, just these old granny types, you know. It seems like, yeah, it's like the older people. I'm not trying to be ageist or anything. It's just if you've seen this show, you start to see patterns. It seems like a lot of the older victims, you know, the fraud, you know, the people who lose so much money are these older men or women in these fraud segments. Like that one with the fortune teller where she gave her everything. Yeah, I mean. Like the for, the fortune teller kind of like mystic ones are, are different, yeah. you know. And then you got the kind of purely yeah, but it was still this. an old it was still an older woman who gave every single cent to this fortune teller lady. This cunt, you can say it, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so just as a general rule of thumb, uh, it, it, don't invest every single dime yeah. or you have well, into I think, one thing i mean I'm, I'm not an investor by any means but i think any any um you know analyst or whatever will, will well yeah even if you have probably any stock market analysts would be like don't invest every single yeah cent. diversify yeah so anyway uh in order to ease some of the, his investors concerns even more he brought in a geologist named david fingato to come in and uh, look around and check out you know, the mine and, and so on. Because there was a report earlier, that's why you had the pyramid stuff, it was because the report earlier was kind of investigating and seeing that uh, some of these things around this mine and its productions don't seem right. Uh, the produ- you know, the, the, what it's, the numbers that he's saying that this mine is going to come up with. So he brings in this geologist, David, and he do, does some research, and he figures out, like, there's no way. There's no way that this mine is going to produce this amount of gold. It's not possible. Um, you know, he was even saying things like, uh, you know, what is this, like a money laundering front or something? <laughs> or, you know, he was all basically accusing uh, Barbera of lying and uh, fraud. And Barbera was actually interviewed later after David Fingato, actually after David Fingato went on CNN. He went on CNN and told told CNN and everyone who was watching that he believes that Barbera was lying. And then he suspiciously died in a car crash five days later. Oh, really? Now, wow. yeah. Now they don't really insinuate that Barbera was behind it. They say, oh, it was just determined as an accident. But it just seems too convenient to me. It just dies of some, just a, some car accident later. 
I mean, there are really severe coincidences out there. Yeah, there are. But this guy, I mean, geez, once you see this. But by the way, I'm going to insert the uh, the commercial, that crazy commercial that he did locally, that local commercial he did. I'm going to insert that in the podcast here at some point. So once you hear yeah. this guy, it's like, yeah, I could see this guy not being above snuffing someone out, you know. Yeah, because there was out. one he did. This is this is a what we'll insert, folks, is a uh, outtake he did. And it it is it is absolutely wonderful. It really is. The guy's a scumbag, but this outtake is just crazy and hilarious. Hi, kids. I want to help you get started in the credit world. No co-signers. You know why I don't want co-signers? Because your parents wouldn't sign for you, you lazy bastard. You. You know why you can you can get credit in Furniture USA because I'll break you. Good legs, you son of a bitch, if you don't pay. You understand? Now, I want to help you get started in the credit world. So get your ass down here right now before I break your head. You understand? Now, get your ass down here today. Remember, no co-signers and no credit references. Bye, kids. So anyway, um, Fugato died in a suspicious car crash five days later. And then uh, Barbara was interviewed on TV. And I, lo- I, lo- I love this quote here. And he's all like, he's he's clearly upset. He's clearly triggered by all of this. And he's interviewed. He's sitting there. And they're talking to him about all this stuff. And then, you know, what's going on? And and this is his quote. I'm I'm looking up here again because I want to make sure I got it right. I can edit out this silence. Yeah, it's okay, cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) All right, where are we at? 50.06. Enjoy the silence. All I ever wanted, all I ever needed needed was right here. In my arms. (laughs) Whenever you find the quote, just read it. Yeah, okay. You don't, I know. You, you don't have to say, like, and this is the quote or anything like that. No, no. Of how I'm going to edit it. All right, come on. I sent it to you, so I'm looking through the Facebook message. <laughs> this is fucking annoying. Words are very unnecessary. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> They're opinions. And I'm going to use this term loosely. They suck. <laughs> I just love that. I mean, who who does that? Like, who goes on national television and when they're interviewed about potential fraud in their company and they're just that unabashedly... You know who? This guy reminds me a lot of our freaking president right now, Donald Trump. Yeah. Wrong. 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 Your false news. Get out of here. <laughs> Whatever. Like, like, yeah, I could totally see Donald Trump and, and this guy just being buddies. Yeah, they're just opinions. And they suck. <laughs> uh, so, um, they most definitely did not suck, and they weren't just opinions, they were the truth. Because in early of October 1986, the SEC charged Barbara and several of his business associates with fraud. Barbara then went on the lam. Furniture USA filed for bankruptcy at the end of the month, citing more than $3.3 million in debt. Not surprisingly, the furniture chain's biggest creditors were the KTVU Channel 2, which are these local channels uh, in uh, 
the Bay Area and KOFY TV 20. As Barbara's South Bay Furniture Empire imploded, he started a new one in Vancouver, British Columbia. With some of his $2 million, he swindled from Dynapack investors. After establishing himself in Canada, Barbera bilked his unsuspecting customers out of $50,000 for furniture that was paid for, but not always delivered. Barbera was finally arrested in mid-1987 in Vancouver, Washington. Oh, your own backyard. Yeah, my own backyard. And extradited to New Mexico, where he finally stood trial. A jury convicted him, convicted him on a dozen counts of fraud and racketeering in July of 1988. But somebody in the Santa Fe court system thought it was a eh, was that a good idea to let a guy whose catchphrase was "buy kids" out on bail during the trial. <laughs> he skipped town again, forcing the judge to sentence him to in absentia to 19 and a half years in state prison. Uh, Barbera reportedly died of cancer in Florida while still on the run. And most of this information I got is from this uh, uh, article from the SF Weekly, San Francisco Weekly, Yesterday's Crimes, The Wolfman at El Camino by Bob Calhoun. I wanted to give credit where credit is due. Um, I got it from there because there, were, there was information in that that was not at all in this segment. Oh, that's cool. Good for you, Mike, doing your research. I love that. So... Yeah, yeah, I love that term in absentia. That's like that's like one of the cool. I don't know why, but I just always saw it sound like a really cool phrase. He was convicted in absentia. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, Ed Barbera uh, or Barbara, whatever you want to say. Uh, this guy was a character, and it's crazy to me that he, he managed managed to trick so many people. I mean, it's estimated that about 50 to $20 million was lost by his investors. Yeah. It's, by them investing in Dynapack. That's why I love these fraud cases is, is you really like, I don't know, you just, I, don't, I, I honestly, I can't really say what it is that I like so much about them, but like I've really gotten turned on to the fraud cases more than anything in the, in the past uh, year or so. And it's just, I don't know, like... Just this, I guess the psychology. They are unique. They are unique because you don't see a lot of shows, true crime shows, talking about fraud. Yeah, that's true. So they're they're unique in that way, and then you have one like this, where it's just this guy is such a character. I mean, he's this furniture ad salesman guy with this really surreal series of commercials and this ridiculous catchphrase, and that he starts this company, and then has this mine, buys this mine, which is barren, and uh, eventually, once he was caught, then, of course, everything was moved away. There was nothing left. which is completely empty. And uh, was talking about how it's going to make all this gold, and it never did, and you got the mysterious circumstances of the guy who went on CNN and blabbed and talked about how, un, and, you know, how unscrupulous the business practices were. Talk some shit, wound up dead. So, yeah, and then you got this, this, this furniture salesman guy who has this wonderful uh, outtake here. Speaking of death, folks, there's something called reincarnation. Um... I mean, everyone knows what it is. It's the belief that when you die, your soul gets transferred to another body. Um, 
sometimes people will remember their past life. Most of the times they don't. Um, there have been a couple cases of reincarnation on Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, this particular one was a request from one of our listeners. And again, do you think I remember who it is? Well, if you said yes, then you'd be wrong, because I don't remember who it is, because uh, I'm just bad at keeping notes on who makes these requests. But uh, we're going to be talking about the case of Georgia Rudolph. Um, I, this case was on the Ultimate Collection on the Ghosts box set. and uh, Why was that on the Ghost box or, set? It would make more sense that it would be on the Psychics. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think it was on the Psychics. Don't quote me on that one, folks. But I do remember it being on the Ultimate Collection. I want to say Ghosts for some reason. I don't know. Um, it's on season two as well on Amazon Prime. Yeah, there you go. So you can go watch it for yourself, which is so nice to be able to say now. Because for the first, like, uh, tw- at least 20 or 30 episodes of this podcast, we weren't able to say that. It's We'd be like, man, if only you guys could see this. <laughs> That'd be really awesome. Too bad you can't. Um, but anyway, for 33 years, George's mind has conjured up images of a strange girl. In all George's visions, neither the time nor place is familiar. Georgia says, there's a lot of sensations I feel. The cold, I feel. The night. I smell the horses. I smell the leather. I can feel the girl. But it looks like myself, climbing on this carriage and going down the road. And I can hear the sound of horse hooves. I can feel the movements of the carriage. Georgia Rudolph is a 41-year-old registered nurse living in Macon, Georgia. Not too far from where I live. Since childhood, she's been beset by reoccurring mental images. Sometimes they appear as dreams, but more often as events that she's never experienced. Georgia says, There doesn't seem to be a common denominator that would trigger off the memories. I would be sitting playing. I'd be watching TV, and there would be a memory. As a child, I don't think there was a month that would go by that I didn't have either a memory or a dream. Georgia Rudolph was born in Columbus, Ohio. At the age of three, she was placed in a series of foster homes. When she was five, she was adopted and the memories began. My whole childhood, I thought I was crazy because the drawings were of this girl that I would dream about. And when I remember her, it's always the drawing, the face. I have always known that face. In the reenactment, it shows her as a child just drawing the same drawing over and over again of this girl, of this girl's face. And she felt like it had to be perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, then she'd have to start over and do it again. She says, uh, I've seen her at two different ages. One is a young woman, 18 or 19 years old, and the other is a young girl, probably eight or nine. So she's apparently been playing Zelda Ocarina of Time, apparently, because she's seeing this woman uh, as an adult Georgia and child Georgia. That is a very obscure gaming joke that probably only 20 people will get. That's fine. Uh, As Georgia grew older, her visions of the past began to accumulate. Often they were no more than a flash of an image, but curiously, all of the images came from an earlier time, the turn of the century. There were no airplanes or automobiles, but there were repeated images of old-fashioned stern wheelers. Now, I had to go and look up that fucking word, because (laughs) who uses that? Like, I mean, I know that's like a type of boat, but like, I'm like, what the fuck is a stern wheeler? Like, I had to go look that shit up. Well, that's like me. I'm like, what the fuck is a day pack? (laughs) Yeah, and people, you know, they usually always let us know in a nice nice way. Yeah. They're like, ah, yeah, aren't you cute, you little moron? This is what this is. But no, a stern wheeler, that's those boats uh, with the big circular Ferris wheel type looking thing on the back uh, that actually paddles the boat and propels it forward. Um, This segment, I swear, this has like, this must have had a huge budget. 
I mean, this looks like it had like an astronomically high budget for Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that because like everything that they flash back to for George's visions, it's all period piece stuff, you know, so it's all stuff from around that time. And especially, you know, Sternwheeler alone like that probably I'm just imagining that probably was pretty expensive. I mean, just think about like the the production manager on the set, like having to find a Sternwheeler rental place and, and securing one or going to where they're already at. You know, yeah, like and a lot of times Unsolved Mysteries more often than not filmed. Um, well, actually, the reenactments were usually filmed in uh, California, but uh, whenever they could, they would actually go to the actual location. And um, sometimes they would do. They the clearly did that here. Yeah. I mean, unless there happened to be a river in Burbank with a stern wheeler that they could rent. Um, and ice and snow. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what a stern wheeler is. Georgia says, it's not like a childhood memory. It feels different. It's like taking a picture from my mind and projecting it on a screen and just replaying it over and over. That would drive me nuts. Me too. If I had like a memory, but you couldn't, you couldn't quite grasp it, you couldn't quite get all the details that you wanted it was just right out of reach and it kept coming in your head but you that's like that's like when you get like a line from a song or a melody from a song and yeah you, and you don't and you can't remember who did the song or or it's like when you saw a film a while back but you can't remember the name of it oh, or you're yeah. trying to or you're trying to think of an actor yeah dude, and their that, name that actually but then it doesn't pop up pop up immediately like what happened with me with mark ruffalo yeah <laughs> Dude, that happened to me, actually, because I saw this movie as a kid, and it was such a fucked up movie that uh, I started to really question my sanity at one point in adulthood, yeah. if, if this movie existed or not. Um, it, it And it's graphic, folks, I'm sorry, but... I, as, and this was, I was a kid, like, my dad had it on in the living room, and it in like, all I can remember are these scenes of an angel impaled through a wooden stake... And they have black eyes, like no, like no eyes. They're just black sockets, and huh. the and the angels just like writhing in pain, and like they go into this cave, and there's a whole like gully or valley of all these like I guess fallen angels impaled through these stakes. And uh, later on, I was able to find out. I don't remember the name of the movie, but it starred. It has Christopher Walken. He's in the movie. Oh, prophecy. There you go. I guess. Have it could seen, be that. Have you seen it? I haven't seen that yet. I didn't know there was a scene like that in that. Dude, oh, oh man, it was... <laughs> You're such a fucking IMDP... Oh, Prophecy, I know that one. Like, no one else would be able to, like, guess that, but, uh... There's, yeah. like, multiple Prophecy films, too. There's, like, two, three, four... There's four of them, I think. But, yeah, so... Yeah, like the, the Prophecy. Like, before Wikipedia and all that came about, I spent, like, all my junior high and high school with these images of this angel being impaled yeah. to the stake and i'm like what the fuck was that that i watched as a kid <laughs> did that exist or was that in my head like holy yeah i crap. can see why i mean that's how i felt about this this uh movie called my boyfriend's back uh, for years i just caught this a couple scenes of tv it was this guy in a plaid shirt who was a zombie and that's all i really remember about it and it was like some teenager it was a zombie it was just a zombie in a plaid shirt and I, I could not. That's super vague, right? Yeah. It was. It was 
so hard yeah, for me to find there's it. There's no way you could Google that because like. No- and so I was just like, uh, "Dead men don't wear plaid." No, that's not it. It's a Steve Martin movie. It's a completely different thing. I was a teenage zombie. Nope. Close. Not the right movie though. And then eventually, years later, I just found my boyfriend's back in VHS, and it looked interesting to me. And uh, then I watched it, and then I got. Then I was like, "Wait a minute, this looks somewhat familiar." And then I got to the scenes of the platform. This is that movie. It was a, it was such, such a cathartic a, it's a experience. Yeah, yeah. There's another movie I still don't know what the name of it is. Uh, that as a child, I feel like it was a Lifetime movie or something. It came on right after this other show. Me and my mom were watching. My mom left the room, and I watched the first few scenes of this movie. And it's just mom and this kid, and she takes him out to the grocery store, wherever, and it starts out so normal, and she buys him, like, an Elmo doll, and she takes the kid home, and the kid's in his room playing, and the mom's downstairs at, like, this desk, and she just, like, like grabs her head, and she just, like, gets up from the desk, and she, like, paces over to the window and starts looking out, and she starts freaking the fuck out, and, like, the kid... Like doesn't know what's what's wrong, and and she and I got so scared in that moment watching that I had to leave the room, and I was like, "Mom, this show," and the woman started, you know, because like I had a really vivid imagination, and I, I in, in the uh. movie it was filmed very realistically, so it was clearly it was hard for me to separate that as oh that's just a movie that one that one would be really hard to find because it's just so. That's a very vague premise. Yeah. Right? But I remember the scenes as clear as day of them at the grocery store and the mom get buying like, the kid, kid an Elmo doll, and then she freaked out, and I don't know what happens in the rest of the movie. I kind of want to go back, not only find the movie, but figure out what, what her deal was. Like, why did she all of a sudden yeah. like, snap like You got that? me curious. I'm like, what movie is this? I know, I know. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Anyone out there who is aficionados of... There's a few other things like that, but I won't bore you with any more of them. Um... So anyway, going back to this Georgia story here that we got severely derailed from. Uh, uh, it, it was still tied into some things. Yeah. It was a similar sort of thing where, you know, there's memories and visions of stuff that you remember, but you don't know where it's from or what it is. So a river seemed to play a large part in Georgia's dreams. Another was a young man dressed in a suit wearing a derby hat. Sometimes he was alone. Sometimes he was with a girl. And there was always a reoccurring image of a horse-drawn carriage on a cold winter night. And I loved how they shot it, too. Yeah, yeah. That was, you really, the cinematography in this was great. Yeah, you felt the cold when you saw it. You know, you feel like, you know, this seems very cold. Um, Georgia was saying, I kept feeling that they were pre-adoption memories uh, that nobody was telling me about. But when I found my biological parents, I found my memories had nothing to do with before I was adopted. And I loved how she, like, underplayed the fact that she, like, found her biological parents, too, by the way. She's like, yeah, I found my biological parents. But she's more fixated on, like, these memories and figuring out what this is about. Then clinical psychologist Douglas Smith comes in at this point on the uh, segment. And he's quoted as saying, when Georgia first contacted me, I thought it was an early traumatic childhood memory that she was trying to remember or experience. Or maybe it was part of a multiple personality where she was imagining herself to be someone different, which sometimes happens in these cases. In 1984, Doug Smith began regressive therapy, which is a form of hypnosis, which allows a patient to go back into their memory but still remain or remember everything they say. Now, if I made an Unsolved Mysteries drinking game, 
Uh, I, I've said before, you would have to take a shot for any time somebody invoked the Freedom of Information Act. You'd also have to take a shot every time a therapist uses re- regressive therapy. Yeah, hy- hypnosis. <laughs> where, yeah, where, where someone has to remember something from their past that they don't want to remember. And, and there's a reason why some skeptics are like, well, you know, the hypnotist guy could technically plant information and you know or or have baited questions to these individuals who were going through these regressive hypnosis sessions i you know i don't know i, I don't know i don't know either I, like I this one i'm like i don't know i personally don't I see really the don't science know. behind it like i don't i don't see i don't I've never been hypnotized. I don't understand how hypnosis works. I don't understand how laying in a couch or laying on a couch, closing your eyes. Hypnosis is different. There are different types of hypnosis. There's that kind of hypnosis and there's other hypnotists. I, 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 there was a hypnotist who was at our senior party in high school and it seemed like it worked on a lot of these people that were there. Um, who went up on stage and were hypnotized to do st- you know crazy things? I don't know if they, that really was the case, or they just went in and just did it for fun. I don't know. I think the main thing with hypnotism is you have to want to be hypnotized. So it's almost like a, a willing form of like Simon says in a way, like do this, and the okay, you know, and they're already open to doing that. But what I don't understand is the 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 times when like victims or whatever will be put under hypnosis and they'll actually remember details that they couldn't remember before. Or even, or witnesses, like uh, one of these uh, cases, I think we're season two as well, where uh, this murder case and this guy was hypnotized and then remembered, he was remembered like what the guy looked like in the car, but he didn't remember before, but now in this hypnosis session, he was able to like slow down the image in his mind and, and get a description, which... I don't know. I mean, and it's like, why can't you just hypnotize yourself? Why can't you just lay down in bed and think, you know, in, in a certain way and a certain go through a certain thought process and get to that same? There is such a thing called self hypnosis. Oh, is there? Okay. Well, there you go. So anyway, um, that happened, and um, during the first session of hypnosis, he asked me a question. This is Georgia speaking here, and he referred to me as Georgia, and I vividly remember saying, "I don't know who you're talking to." And he said, well, if this isn't Georgia, who am I talking to? And I remember saying, I am Sandra Jean Jenkins. Further sessions began to bring more detail to her memories. Georgia could now clearly see Sandra Jean on the stern wheeler, which belonged to her family. The man in the derby hat was named Tommy Hicks. The two were sweethearts and about to be married. Georgia said, when this came out about Sandra Jean, not only did I feel I was crazy, it scared me to death. It went against everything I've ever been taught as far as religion goes, which I think that's pretty interesting because, yeah, um, if you grow up in a very Christian home and you have very hardcore Christian beliefs, uh, reincarnation certainly goes against Christian beliefs because you that's know, of the devil. Well, it's not only it's not it's it's not it's not even it doesn't even play into uh, the Bible's plot line at all. Like there is no coming back the only person who was able to do that was jesus he but he resurrected himself he wasn't reborn so it's not even it's not even like uh reincarnation in that sense either i mean it just doesn't exist in christianity i mean her case is very interesting to me because it is extremely vivid and detailed and 
it's one of the there's other bits of reincarnation where you're like yeah whatever i don't know i don't really buy that but hers is just so detailed and vivid with her recollections it's like how well this is where it gets kicked up a notch as far as her uh believability so then she goes um, to Marietta, Ohio, which is a city of 35,000 people, and it's located at the confluence of the Ohio and Muskegon Rivers. Mm-hmm. In its heyday at the turn of the century, it was a major river point. Because Georgia's dreams had centered on a river and riverboat, Georgia went to Marietta in 1985. She was hoping to find a record of people and places uh, that were so vividly etched in her memory. Georgia had arranged to meet with a reporter named Ted Bauer. He was a lifelong resident and had worked for the local newspaper there. He's quoted as saying, When Georgia arrived in Marietta, I said, I'll take you around and show you some of the places that you talked about over the phone. And she said, No, I'll show you where to go. And I couldn't believe her knowledge of Marietta. She knew just as much, if not more, than some of the old timers knew about the town. Georgia had described the interior of an insurance building that used to be an ice cream parlor that had been there at the turn of the century. Incredibly, the decor there had been changed in 1937, 11 years before Georgia was even born. Quoting uh, Ted Bauer again, he said, She described the interior almost perfectly. I checked this with the son of the man who had run it for years. It sounds crazy, but what do you do? She was accurate about her descriptions. I've thought about it many times, and it's possible that she could have done some research or had someone do it for her, but I don't know how that could have been done. That would have been a tremendous job. I can't buy the whole reincarnation bit, but she has some power, some way of knowing what happened in the past. I don't know what that power would be, but she has it. Now, of course, Josh speaking as myself, um... The charm and wonder of these kind of things are all but fucked over now with the internet. I mean, you could, oh yeah, you could you could fucking God, you could act like you're the if you went to a country with no internet, you could act like you were God with all your knowledge of everything. <laughs> like, you, oh, and I saith unto you, uh, I know what the temperature is in Ecuador right now. Just give me a second. Let me run to my, my, my smartphone. Uh, temperature in Ecuador. It is 85 degrees. He is God. He knows. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like nowadays, it's like all the fun's taken out of all this shit. Not only with stuff like this, but with, you know... Uh, pictures of UFOs, pictures of crop circles, with Photoshop, and there's always these trolls out here who just want to, like, fuck with people, and they want to put out all these fraudulent pictures on the internet, whether it's for, to get themselves some kind of glory or whatever, or, or prestige, or whatever the case may be, and, you know, especially these reincarnation cases, and now I, I could go and look up information on Marietta, Ohio, and... Uh, hell, you can go, and I've done this before to freak people out, this this person I was talking to. I went to Google Maps, I typed in her, her city and state that she lived in, and I just, like, did the, the street person view that you can do on Google Maps, and I just, like, started looking at the streets and the stores, I just started describing them to her, and she's like, oh my god, how do you know of that store? How do you know of that? And I was like, oh, because, you know, I know more than you think, uh-huh, which, after just saying that just then, made me sound like the biggest creeper because I can read your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now, yeah, you know, with the technology these days, you can just, it's 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 uh, a lot harder to do this kind of stuff. That's what makes her story more believable. But then again, I, it's just the reincarnation thing. It's like, it's very hard to prove. Well, yeah. It's impossible to prove. Like, how, how can you scientifically prove reincarnation? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't really. 
So despite George's uncanny recollections, uh, she could not find a record of a Sandra Jean Jenkins in Marietta. She next visited a small farming town called Newport, Ohio, five miles to, to the north. Here, too, she seemed instinctively to know her way around. She says, the first thing I saw when entering Newport was a big gray house. It sent chills through my body. It was like this was my house. This is where I lived. I could see a room, and I knew this had been her bedroom. This was the house that Sandra had lived in. Throughout Georgia's life, a single dream had always stood out to her that was more perplexing and haunting than the others. Now, this scene is the one that stuck with me personally about this case yeah. the time I used to watch it. Yeah. Uh, Georgia, as a young girl, is standing in front of a church. According to Georgia, in the dream, I knew she had to walk exactly two blocks, and she's standing in front of a cemetery. And there's a path that goes off to the right, and it curves and twists in different directions. It eventually straightens out. And at that point, she's looking down on the grave, which I know to be her grandmother's grave. But I'm never able to get the head off the headstone because... The name. The name, whatever. (laughs) Uh, The name off the headstone, because it's at that point that I wake up. I've had this dream two to three hundred times. God, that's a lot. And I always wake up in the same place. In uh, In Newport, Georgia found the church in her dream. Perhaps now she could discover the identity of Sandra Jenkins' grandmother. Now, that's fucking weird, man. That she would have a dream yeah. about this 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 cemetery. This okay. First of all, I gotta ask, like, how did she know it was Marietta, Ohio? She was living in Macon, Georgia. Why? Wh- the amount of like towns and cities that have like rivers and 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 had like those stern wheeler boats and stuff. Like, I'm sure they're off the chart. How how did she narrow it down? It never said. In the yeah, story. I mean, and also. What does she have? What what does she have to gain by making this up? So 15, 15 seconds of fame. Well, I definitely from how she comes off in the segment, she seems bothered by all of this. Yeah. So she doesn't seem like she's like stoked about it or anything. No. Um, Why would you be? That would drive me nuts. Yeah, that would be. It would be one of those things to where you have to question the boundaries of like life and what you know to be true. It's like, why is this information in my head? But again, my question is, how did she know Marietta, Ohio, of all places? It must have been in one of her visions or something, but she, does, she actually finds the damn graveyard that's in her dreams. So she said, it frightened me. Everything I found frightened me more because I still didn't want to believe that this was reincarnation. She said, I walked the two blocks that I knew I had to walk in the dream. As I walked, it began to dawn on me that this is the path in my dreams. I can remember my heart and the feeling in my body. It was just total excitement because I knew when I reached the end of that path, I was going to be standing over the grave that I had dreamt about over and over again. And when I stopped where the dream stops, I was looking down at the grave that I knew to be my grandmother's. And it said, Mary Bevan Green. And I finally got a name. The gravestone providing the missi- provided the missing link to the house that Georgia had seen earlier. The house belonged to the Greens, and they had owned a fleet of stern wheels at the time at the turn of the century. Now the story of Sandra Jenkins and Tommy Hicks came into sharper focus. Under hypnosis, Georgia recalled in 1914, Tommy was swept over the boat into the Ohio River and died. Sandra was pregnant with Tommy's child. So under hypnosis, Georgia recalled that just days before Sandra Jean and Tommy were to be married in 1914, he was swept overboard in a storm on the Ohio River. His body was never found. 
Sandra Jean Jenkins was left alone, and to her family's dismay, she discovered she was pregnant with Tommy's child. Georgia also evoked the memory of Sandra committing suicide by drowning in a lake and that the young girl was buried on a hill apart from her family, which, as I've learned from watching Unsolved Mysteries, getting pregnant back in the day outside of wedlock was like the biggest no-no that could happen to a woman like ever as far as like being disowned from your family and all that shit. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of lost love segments that begin that way. I've noticed from watching uh, the Unsolved yep. Mysteries on the Amazon or whatever. Uh, so Georgia was convinced that because Sandra Jean took her own life, she was buried in an unmarked grave a few feet away from her grandmother. Under hypnosis, Georgia said that from Sandra Jean's grave, you could see an angel with one arm raised up. She's, uh, when she looked south from Mary's grave, Georgia saw the statue of an angel with its right arm extended upward. Georgia's discoveries in Ohio do seem convincing, but there, uh, is there any real proof that Sandra Jean Jenkins or Tommy Hicks ever existed? Georgia couldn't find a record of Tommy, but she said she did find his parents. Quoting Georgia, when I was under hypnosis, I had said that Tommy's parents' names were Tom and Jenny um, Hicks. The only proof that I have that Tommy existed was that in 1906, there was a farm registered to Tom and Jenny Hicks in Newport, Ohio. Georgia also located the Green family's nearest living relatives, who gave her evidence that Sandra Jean Jenkins actually existed. Quoting Georgia here, they brought out a picture taken in 1908. It's a family reunion picture. And the girl that I call Sandra that I've drawn my entire life is standing in that picture. It kind of gives you goosebumps a little bit. There was a statement made by a family member of the family. I don't know the girl's name, but I know she drowned out back of the house. In the family photograph, the girl from Georgia's dreams seems to be standing slightly apart from those around her. Maybe she just cut one and it smelled really bad. (laughs) 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 I was like, oh, God, why'd you have to let one rip right when we're about to take this family photo, you bitch? (laughs) The photograph includes a roster of names. Every single person is identified except the girl Georgia recognized as Sandra Jean. What a cock tease that must have been. Uh, It's almost like someone's like purposely keeping this information from her. Although Georgia's findings are amazingly accurate to her memories, her clinical psychologist, Dr. Douglas Smith, still has doubts. Quoting, Almost every culture at one time or another has had a belief in reincarnation. Sometimes I think, in fact, that it's a metaphor for man's anger over the brevity of life. In terms of whether reincarnation is a real fact or not, as a scientist, I don't know. I want proof. I'm a doubter. But as a human being, I would love to have it to be the truth. Um, but Georgia Rudolph says, I believe that reincarnation is real, but I'm not sure what reincarnation is. I know there's something to it. I have had an experience that a lot of people don't get to have. My logic oftentimes will tell me this isn't real, but my heart tells me, yes, it is. So there you go. That was the story of George Rudolph. Yeah, uh, the case is unresolved. A man later came forward claiming he was the reincarnation of Sandra's boyfriend, Tommy Hicks, and that he had several of the same memories that Georgia had. However, whether this is a true example of reincarnation is unknown. Now, to me, that, and, would, be, that would be the easiest way to just BS something. It's like you see the Unsolved Mysteries segment. You yeah. go, oh, I'm that guy. You want to go out on a date or something or give me some money? And he actually was on the show, if I remember correctly. They talked to that guy. Uh, sadly, Georgia died in 2013. Of course she did. 
Everybody's dead from this show. And what's sad about it is she didn't even look that old in the fucking segment. No. She was like, yeah, she was 41 years old. She must have died of some kind of a... Well, she was overweight, but uh, maybe she had some kind of a... Died of an issue relating to that. That sucks. It sucks yep. knowing that most people from this show are dead that you watch. <laughs> um, all right, so before we get to our um, last uh, thing here on the podcast, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's important that you guys know who your fellow listener is. Um, I'm, of course, referring to the uh, $5 Patreon tier where you can get your own story read on the podcast. And it's a totally true story, too. Or maybe it's not. I don't know. It, may, it might be. It's for you to decide. So, um... This week, I wanted to tell you guys a story uh, about Eric Brown. He's uh, been a listener to our podcast for a while. Um, he told me this in confidence, and uh, I, I don't know why you guys keep telling me this shit in confidence, because I always se- seem to read it on the podcast. Um, so, Eric Brown, uh, was, was it, well, he is a journalist, and he was reading of the murder of a Kansas family. Um, he decides to cover the story himself and he travels to the small town with his childhood friend and aspiring novelist, Thomas Hatfield. So when Patty Smith and Dick Hickok are arrested and charged, Eric Brown forms an emotional bond with Smith during his jailhouse interviews, despite the young criminal's apparent guilt. And uh, he actually ends up uh, wanting to get this guy's story. You know, Eric is wanting to get the guy's story. Eric was very convincing. He wanted the guy to admit what happened, and he acted like he was his friend, pretty much just to get the guy to confess, in which he did. And then they were hanged. Not Eric, but uh, the two uh, suspects that were charged. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that happened. Um, you know, was that a little sleazy on Eric's part to uh, act like he was really tight with this person just to kind of get a story out of him? No, because he's a journalist and or novelist or whatever, and, and that's what those people do. So it's it's all part of the game there. So uh, good for you, Eric. Uh, glad, you know, that happened for you. I, I It's interesting that they were hanged. I mean, that's something that doesn't seem to happen very often. Well, you know, I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small, old-fashioned town, you know. Don't ask a lot of questions about it, you know. Just believe it. Because it is a true story. Or maybe it isn't. I don't know. If you want a story about you read on the podcast, after hearing a, a couple of these, I don't know why anybody would want that. But if you do want it, <laughs> uh, consider contributing to our Patreon, which again is patreon.com slash uncurving unexplained mysteries. It's the $5 tier. Look it up. It's good for you. Now we're going into our last segment of the podcast, which we got to run through pretty quickly here because I got to go do some karaoke. And it's called News of the Bazaar. This is where we cover bizarre news segments. Yep. And uh, we're a bit late on this one, but this is one I definitely wanted to cover. This is about the deadly social media game called Blue Whale. I have no idea what that is. So everything Mike is about to say will be completely new information to me. This is from the Daily Mail. So there are some conflicting reports out there that some of the people who are uh, listed as, as being suicides related to this game are unconfirmed or whatever but it does seem like there actually are some girls who have killed themselves because of this twisted sick game uh i am reading off of an older article but it's the first one that i saw so it was talking about how the man who invented the suicide game uh he believes that uh 
the victims who kill themselves are biological waste and that he's cleansing society. Philip Budikin, 21 of Russia, is being held on charges of inciting at least 16 schoolgirls to kill themselves by taking part in his blue whale social media craze. He told investigators that he thinks his young female victims are happy to die. They were happy to die. Angelina Davidova, 12, fell to her death from the 14th floor on Christmas Day, 2015. Jesus. Anna Kay was found hanged to death after becoming obsessed with the game. The man behind a sick suicide game aimed at children has been inundated with love letters from teenage girls addressed to him at a Russian jail where he is in custody. Philip Budakin is being held on charges of inciting at least 16 schoolgirls to kill themselves by taking part in his social media game called the Blue Whale, which police fear is spreading to Britain. The Russian 21-year-old who has now confessed to the crime says he thinks of his victims as biological waste, and he told the police that they were happy to die and he was cleansing, cleansing society. Fuck that guy. I'm not censoring myself there. Fuck him. Scum. A lethal game called Blue Whale involves brainwashing and vulnerable teenagers over a period of 50 days, urging them to complete tasks from watching horror movies to waking at strange hours and self-harming. Another fucking asshole, some psychopath, scumbag motherfucker, doing shit like this is making is giving horror films a bad name again because you know you had this shit like oh the some of the people who did like some slayings or killings in you know at school some of the school shootings they're like you know that people are gonna blame oh they watch horror films they listen, blame the horror movies stein and marilyn manson they play doom it's the video game's fault Eventually exhausted and confused, they are then told to commit suicide, and it is feared in Russia that dozens have done so to the bidding of Budokin and other mentors. In Britain, a school in Essex has made parents aware of this game following talks with police. And if you aren't already aware of the game, you should definitely be aware of the game, especially if you're in the UK uh, and you know even in the US, because I don't know, I could see some sick shit like this getting spread over here too. So police forces in Cambridgeshire and Hedda Hertfordshire have urged parents to monitor the children's social media, which is a difficult thing to do sure. unless you hack into your kid's account. Russian prison authorities say they have received dozens of love letters from teenage girls who uh, they really apparently want to worship this guy. They're worshiping this fucking guy for some reason. Worryingly, by law, they say they cannot ban Budokin, also known by the name of Philip Liss, meaning Fox, from receiving and replying to teenage girls who supply their addresses. Psychologist Veronica Machina said, most likely these young girls who fell in love with Philip lies were not receiving enough love and attention from their parents, and this handsome young man from the internet provided certain support for them and gave them the, the attention that they needed. This is where romantic feelings were born. Some estimates say hundreds of Russian teenagers, vast, vast, the vast majority female, have died after becoming fixated with these online death groups. A disturbing video purports to show one Russian girl jumping to her death. I haven't watched the video, and I'm not going to. I just, I can't stomach watching stuff like that. Yeah, fuck that. And from, from a guy who I could watch all the horror movies in the world out there, gory, you know, you're going to be filled to the brim with blood and guts. But the, I can tell that's fake and that's not real. It, there's something about an actual video of somebody killing themselves or surgery videos or death videos. I just can't, I can't watch it. Just cannot um, cannot stomach that shit. So uh, 
Anton Brito, senior official from the investigative community, is seen as an equivalent of the, of the FBI, warned that Biedekin very clearly knew what he had to do to get the result he wanted. He started in 2013, and ever since, he has polished his tactics and corrected his mistakes. Philip and his aides first attracted children into VK social media groups by using mega scary videos. Uh, I'm just imagining the 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 committee guy sitting down and, and saying seriously, uh, yeah, he was uh, you, you, he and his aides uh, first attracted children into social media groups by using mega scary videos. <laughs> Their task was to attract as many children as possible, then figure out those who would be the most affected by psychological manipulation. Say out of 20,000 people, they knew their audience would be only 20 people. Biological waste is how death group administrators refer to the children they push to commit suicide. He explained how the deadly process worked. They gathered the children. They offered them simple tasks to do. And uh, for which for some children were too boring or too weird to complete. Those ones who were clearly too strong, these ones who didn't do these tasks were clearly too strong to be manipulated. Those who stayed were given much stronger tasks like cutting their veins, to balance on the rooftop, to kill an animal, and to post a video or pictures to prove it. Most children left at this stage. A small group was then left who obediently went through all the tasks, with teenagers being physiologically ready to follow whatever administrators the administrators told them, no matter how strange or scary the tasks were. They felt their position in the group was so precious that they did literally everything to stay in. One of the troubles for us was that 15 children who committed suicide administrators' orders were told to delete all correspondence in their social media accounts, which they all did. However, one identified girl went through the final stage of the game before giving up, and she provided state investigators with crucial evidence. He revealed how easy it was to succumb, succumb to Budokin's trap. Like all of her teenagers, she spent a lot of time in social networks. She saw a link to, to a, click a scary picture, and then another, and finally re reached one of the groups promoting suicide organized by Philip. There were thousands of such groups, so it was really easy to join one of them, she said. She was given tasks to which she completed easily, and finally she was selected to join a small group of teenagers where she was noticed by Philip. The girl then received an invitation to join a closed group, a nighttime chat where you had to be up at 4.20 every night, night after night, with ever-accumulating tiredness and decreased ability to make clear decisions. In fact, any decisions at all. She said, I was in the middle of the night, my alarm rang, rang, I woke up and I got straight to my phone. I had to watch videos with pictures flicking every two seconds of teenagers jumping off roofs, close-ups of bodies, bloody mouths, pools of blood under their bodies. It was accompanied by very unpleasant haunting music with screams of animals and pets and cries like children were, be were being tortured. I felt so awful after watching them, I wanted to do something physical to either myself or somebody to kill, to destroy. Dude, that's some, like, dark fucking yeah. shit. This is, like, the shit that you're thinking, like, oh, this is just a movie, right? You know, this is, like, a, this isn't real. So, this sounds is, like, like some one, script. It sounds like one of my worst nightmares, like, literally. Yeah, this, when I first heard about this, it, it pissed me off, and it still pisses me off. And also, it just makes me sick to my stomach. It really does. So... If she wrote saying she wanted to leave this group, she received abuse and threats from the administrator. She's quoted here, he shamed me for being weak and not feeling bad enough about my life. I had to watch until the administrator commanded me to stop and ordered me to erase everything. Brito said even an adult would have felt shock in the situation. 
Our girl told us about another video with very gloomy music, a black screen and then a flash of red, and a teenager that stood on a railway track being hit by a train, with music and screams and shouts that tear your heart to pieces. I felt bad even listening to her. She said that video strengthened her idea about suicide. Philip told her her life was awful and that she would, it would never get better and that she was not interesting, how her parents didn't need her, and how they would never understand her. Do something beautiful at least once in your life, he was saying. It is so good to die young. He was saying that she was special, a rare selected one who would understand the truth. She felt she was scared to make the final step, and Philip immediately offered an alternative. You don't have to jump off a roof or go under a train. He said, it's okay to take pills. It's painless. And suicide is not painless. I'm just going to throw that out there. It isn't. Because there, you are causing a lot of pain and harm to those who love you and care for you. Your friends and your family. And absolutely is not painless. Even if you take pills. So she said she set a timer for May 20th, 2016 and asked him what would happen if she got scared. We'll help you then, he answered. By complete coincidence and luck, she was noticed in time to be rescued. She went through a long psychological rehabilitation is much better now. She speaks about her experience very openly. In a chilling interview at Saint, in St. Petersburg, Budokin was asked if he really pushed teenagers to their death. Yes, he said. I was truly I truly was doing that. Don't worry. You'll understand everything. Everyone will understand. They were dying happy. I was giving them what they didn't have in real life, warmth, understanding, connections. He denied reports that there has been had there had been as many as 130 teenagers. There were 17 of them, he said, but he also claimed that another 28 were ready to take their lives. There were also those whom I was simply communicating who committed suicide later without my direct influence. There are people, and there is biological waste, those who do not represent any value for society who cause or will cause only harm to society. I was cleaning our society of such people. It started in 2013 when I created the F57 online community. I had been thinking through the idea for five years. It was necessary to distinguish normal people from biological rubbish. He admitted that setting up social media with depressive content that puts an individual in the right mood before children are admitted to private communities online where everything is happening. The game begins... You need to do tasks, tell about yourself, communicate, he said. During this communication, it's clear who's who. Then I Skype with the person, I put her in the trance, and learn some things from their life after which I make my decision. At some point, it's necessary to push the teenager not to sleep at night. In this way, their psyche becomes more susceptible to influence. Unexpectedly, this idea becomes sort of a trend. There were a lot of imitators, which annoys me. True or not, suicides continuing to be promoted by these deaf groups after Budikin's detention. So these suicides are continuing to be promoted by these death groups. The investigator Burrito and Budokin had been friendless at school and uh, said Budokin had been friendless at school and that his mother had little time for him because she had a long commute to and from work. He was in conflict with his peers. He didn't do well at his studies. After classes, he spent all hours online. He barely saw his mother. She left home at 5 a.m. and came back late, uh, fed herself and her son, and that was it. She didn't even go out for walks, she said. So a person who has never built any connection with anyone suddenly felt that he was in charge of other people's wills and lives. And when he pushed children to commit suicide, he told them not to be scared. He told them, I'll gather you all together in a squad up in the sky. Brito said when he was detained, he was still in God mode. He felt he was untouchable. The investigator called for tougher laws to crack down on people who promote suicide among the, among the young. I agree. 
Two score goals, Yulia Akonsanova and 15, and Veronica Volkova, 16, fell to their deaths in February after it's believed they were involved in Blue Whale. Angelina Davidova, aged only 12, fell to her death from the 14th floor of a block in central Russia on Christmas Day 2015 after logging onto a user group called Wake Me Up at 420, which had more than a quarter of a million subscribers before it was blocked. In the weeks before she died, the girl became convinced she was overweight and only ate light salads. She died 50 days after joining the group. Diana Kustanova, 16, died after jumping from a nine-story building arise on. Anna Kay from Coruscant was found hanged to death in March after becoming obsessed with the Sinister Blue Whale game. In December, uh, Valena Piven, 15, jumped from the 13th floor in Moripol, Ukraine, and died on the spot. Her classmates said she was shy and had been seen to school with cuts on her arms. She posted the view from the top floor of the building on her social network page and wrote, The quest is over. There's just one step to be made. Later, she wrote, I did not think that it would be so scary to jump. Just one step forward and everything is done. But this very step is very so difficult to make. Before the jump, she wrote, I'm scared, I'm afraid. Despite this, she jumped. Jesus Christ. Rostat National Statistics Agency published data that 22,839 people committed suicide in 2016, down from the 24,982 in 2015 without differentiating age groups. The latest figure has more than halved from 2005 when there were 45,800 suicides. All right, so let's let's you know we can uh, cut it off there because um, I'm running low on time. But uh, what's your what's your thoughts though? Dude, that is some dark, dark ass shit. That's some of the darkest shit that I've heard in a really long I know. time. Um, it, it goes against, like, I mean, I guess this is, I guess teenagers are the most susceptible to this because teenagers don't really, they don't really have a grip, I think, of reality yet. They're in some kind of weird uh, hormone fueled kind of reality where if you don't have the right people around you and you don't have the right influences in your life then you can get dragged into this world uh -hmm. there's a reason why you don't see adults doing this kind of shit because it goes against every it goes against self-preservation which is one of the most basic human instincts that we have in place in our brain don't die you know don't uh you know don't do stuff that are your body lets you know what's what's good and what's bad there's a reason why it it hurts to not sleep there's a reason why it hurts to poke yourself in the eye this is your this is human nature despite whatever you believe in this is your basic instinct going don't do these things dipshit it's not good it's not the right thing for you to do that's why you get pain pain is bad it does not feel good there's a reason for this you know, there's a reason why sex feels good because you're supposed to do it and procreate. There's a reason why that being full after eating a meal feels good is because you're supposed to do it, etc. So, I think that the fact that he's preying on teenagers—I mean, this guy is clearly a sick fuck who should uh, himself participate in his own game and complete it to uh, see it to its completion. I think he should at least get a life sentence. I don't think it should be any of this bullshit where he gets like you know, juvenile detention or, or gets like a few years. This guy's not fit to be in society. It also like brings up this whole, like this whole subculture of the internet that like I've never understood. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like that vaporwave aesthetic that, that, uh, 
you know, those people who always have to be into like the weirdest memes, the darkest, you know, yeah. stuff that just doesn't make sense to anybody else. Do you know anything about what vaporwave is? Like, have you heard? The- no, but I know there's a lot of people who after, you know, these suicides, like after Zack Snyder's, the director, after his daughter committed suicide, you oh, know, shit. and the stuff with, uh, yeah, that he's left a Justice League and uh, Joss Whedon is taken over. Um, yeah, his daughter committed suicide, and I, I'm not a fan of his work as of late, and I think he's a hack as a director, but my heart goes out to him and his family and and, and all of that, and, you know, that that is just horrible. I mean, I, and then there's people making memes like, oh, oh his movies are so bad, his daughter killed himself, uh, killed see, herself. Yeah, you know, you can, yeah, you, can yeah. Take, you can take that and all that, all your Ariana Grande memes and shove those up your ass, you fucking yeah. asshole. I hate these people who want to be these edgy little internet warriors with their little... Yeah, edgelords, yeah. Yeah, like the, the day after something tragic happens, you post a, a meme about it like, oh, dude, you, oh, man, you are edgy. You really don't care like what what anyone thinks let's all hang around you and give you attention because look how no you're just you're showing how immature you are and how uh your inability to uh, uh you know what your apathy there's no sympathy yeah your, your complete apathy and your immaturity that's all you show in that moment there was some guy i'm always friends with on i, I didn't want to bring this up because it was fun you know it's depressing but shit we're already at the, the depths of like dark shit right now um the whole Ariana Grande thing that happened in uh, Manchester or whatever. You know, there was some guy uh, posted a gif of Ariana Grande uh, going like boom, like with her, like apparently yeah. there was some scene or whatever. And, you know, he goes too soon. And I just, I just wanted to comment and be like, dude, you are so fucking edgy, man. Like sitting in your little suburban home safe from any danger and harm, man. You are so edgy. Why don't you go to like the families of the victims of that attack and ask if it's too soon for them. You know, you, you fucking thoughtless piece of shit. Like I, <laughs> I've, I hate people like that. Like, you know, there are ways to be edgy and that is not one of them. Uh, that, that is not one of them at all. Uh, George, that's Car- just senseless. George Carlin was edgy. Lenny Bruce was edgy. You're just some fucking talentless hack who nobody cares about. Who's trying to get attention on, on social media. Like the, you know, ah, God, I just, yeah. all that, you know, I hate, I hate people like trolls is all they are. They're fucking trolls. Yeah. I hate, I hate internet trolls with a passion. Um, but yeah, no, that was, uh, some dark, <laughs> I think that's the I think that's the lowest we'll probably ever go in our podcast with the uh, but it, but it definitely does fit with news of the bazaar it it's does, one that it I does. saw and I read about and I was just like this can't be real and and, and apparently it is and now you know, some of the things some of the deaths that are connected to the game th- there are some unconfirmed reports uh, about the connections so but there were girls that died and there this game did exist and this fucking scumbag created this game and you know he's got the mindset of a fucking nazi and you know uh like you know like how hitler was like you know cleanse you know ethnic cleansing or some fucking bullshit and the russians in and of themselves are not a particularly happy people to begin with no um that is not a particularly happy area of the world drinking the uh, alcoholism rates there are like i don't remember the percentage but it's astronomically high um 
a- any Russian that I've personally ever met has been, especially if, uh, if I don't know why this is a thing, but any like Russian female I've ever met has been particularly morose and kind of dour in their disposition. Um, and I think it's, I think Russia is just a very oppressive place to begin with. I'm not saying the United States is the best place in the world, but I mean, it's certainly a hell of a lot better than Russia. Uh, so I think uh, I think a game like this could really thrive in an area like that. And I feel like in the UK, um, where the we- weather is shitty and, you know, there's uh, I don't know what else could be going on there. But, you know, the- well, I mean, he's preying on teenagers. Their brains aren't fully developed yet. They don't really have as much. You know, they haven't learned as much in life. They don't have a lot as much life experiences. A lot of them haven't really, you know, some of them are still, they're going through puberty and dealing with these emotions and all of this stuff and all these different ways that they feel because of all the different hormones that are flowing through their body. And, well, yeah, and, that's what I was initially saying, you know, yeah. I was making that point that that's, you know, why, because an adult would never do this because it goes against self-preservation, but teenagers aren't so... They, they haven't, you know... They well, it's not just self-preservation. They just don't know any well, better yet. Anyway, that that's... I, I really got to wrap it up. It's uh, 7.42 over here. I got I really got to get yeah. going. Um, so that, but anyway, yeah, that was one big bummer. Yeah, sorry, everyone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find like, like a Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy <laughs> segment from Saturday Night Live or something, and I'm going to play some uh, uh, like aforementioning things at the end here uh because i I feel like everyone's gonna need a lift after that anyway um if you guys want to check out check us out on youtube uh mike is youtube.com slash ocp communications he does movie reviews and every now and then he'll try some food and every now and then he'll do a playthrough what i just bashed earlier uh but you should still watch it my youtube channel is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts i recently just did a vlog about why is cursing such a big fucking deal I go through the whole thing and the various uses of curse words as adjectives and adverbs and all kinds of stuff. It's a pretty funny video. It's only three minutes in length. You got three minutes. So go over there and check that out. But um, for me and Mike, that is the end of the podcast. Enjoy this happy, uplifting music. Bye, kids. No, I mean, yeah, from what I do, I can't. I mean, like, Alien Covenant, I just saw that on a cam last night with my friend.
that was one of the most excruciating experiences I can think of in terms of sitting down watching a movie. It was like an alien just cummed acid all over my balls. It was just like it was it was painful and excruciating. Well, and for a franchise that hasn't had a great film in it since Aliens, this is actually the worst one, and I can't even believe it myself. That's so weird because, like, like I was saying, my friend who was who is a fucking snob, hipster, douche, yeah, who hates everything. I mean, he, uh-huh. he hates everything. He actually likes this movie. So oh, whatever. Yeah, he's. I don't know how anybody can like this fucking piece of shit movie. <laughs> to each their own that's fine but I don't get how you can see any redeeming fucking qualities about this movie especially if you're a fan of what's well, so bad the writing the effects like the writing this is one of the dumbest fucking scripts I've ever seen in my life the only reason why anything fucking happens is because all these people are idiots they land on this planet and this alien planet they don't wear any protective gear or anything they just walk around wearing what they would wear if they're going hiking one dumbass fucks. I like to call himself. I like to call him dipshit. Walks off to get a smoke, take a smoke break. Steps on a spore. Whatever is in it flies in his ear. It makes him sick, and then he pukes blood. And then later, uh, a alien bursts out of his back. I'm like, never would have happened if you wore a fucking biohazard suit or a mask, protection. We're on an alien planet. What the fuck do you think is going to happen? Yeah, you think there'd be some kind of like regulations? If in you place. think that wasn't bad enough, then the, the the guy's back bleeds everywhere, and so there's two girls who are trapped in the room with him. They start slipping on the blood like it's a fucking slip and slide. <laughs> One girl slips, and then she's in a corner, and she's got a knife, and this alien it's like right in front of her, and she's not getting up or trying to get up to high ground or anything. She just sits in a corner with her legs spread open just with a knife be like <gasps> and the alien of course kills her <laughs> this other girl she's got a grenade launcher and she's in a, like a machine gun grenade launcher thing she can't even hit the fucking thing and it's a point blank range she can't hit it she can't hit the broadside of a fucking barn and then she slips on the blood and blows up the ship and herself in one giant epic fail it's just like whoops you're expecting to hear like uh you know some kind of comedy music in the background you're expecting to hear like uh fucking uh like goofy's you know goofy's yell when he just I love that yell. And then, and then, like, okay, this is this is all that's happened in the forty in forty minutes into the movie. Oh, James Franco's in it for like ten seconds because he died. He gets burned alive. Good. <laughs> I don't like James Franco. I like him, but you know he's definitely better than most of anybody. Most of the cast in this film. It seemed like the cast of Freaks and Geeks were the only people making comedy movies from like two thousand and four to like. 2012 it seemed like yeah it seemed like they like they had a lock on the fucking comedy movies and i got annoyed yeah. with most of them um uh-huh. for a show that only lasted one season yeah you know the whole seth rogan jonah hill uh, um, uh you see i didn't know anything about freaks and geeks until years later 
Yeah, me neither. Uh, a couple chicks in my uh, school liked the show at the time. Yeah. Because I remember them saying on the playground, like, oh, I'd much rather be a freak than a geek and all this other kind of shit. And I was like, okay. Now, every, now everyone's fine with being a geek. You yeah, know? Oh, yeah. Now it's, like, super popular. And You're calling somebody a nerd is not an insult anymore. Even though I get that on YouTube. Nerd. I'm like, what are you... Uh, the, the, what is this, Revenge of the Nerds? This is not Revenge of the Nerds anymore. <laughs> do I, I almost want to ask those people, do you like watching these Marvel movies and these DC comic book films? Yeah. Uh, yeah? Then you're a nerd, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, with these shitty films like Alien Covenant, it does not... I can't be like, oh, yeah, look, oh, it's just... Oh, dang it. Dang that movie. No. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen I've seen like PG because uh, like you know I don't some of the YouTube channels I subscribe to like they so they they've taken the conscious choice of not swearing and if they do occasionally drop a, a fuck or a shit bomb they bleep it out. But I know uh, I'm not going to make that much money on YouTube to begin with, so I'd rather not censor myself. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. Like I I don't think I'm ever going to get to that level. Um, so and and then like for me, um, like I said in my my vlog, like swearing is like kind of a part of who I am, like how I talk, how I convey myself to yeah, people. So, me too. you know, if I'm going to do a YouTube channel, I'm going to do it to where it makes me happy, to where I enjoy making the videos. And the yeah. s second that I have to start censoring my content or myself. It's not going to be, I'm not, I'm not going to, yeah, same thing. I, I'm not going to be happy with, with, with yeah, it. Anymore. No, it's, it's not, not going to be, be fun. fun. Yeah. Same with this podcast. If you know, if we had to, yeah, I mean, we probably have, well, I, I'm trying, I'm trying. I don't swear that, you know, I, but dude, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try to hold back with this blue whale shit, but it's going to be difficult because, you know, I, even if, because I, I read Snopes as like, oh, it's it's not technically true. Well, we don't know if it's true or not, but there are, is some truth to it. But Snopes is like, they're not for sure saying it's a hoax. They're saying like, we don't know yet, unconfirmed. But um, there were girls who have killed themselves. Because well, of this I, I'm going in there blind. I don't know what it is, and I don't want to know. I want to be totally like, have okay. my, my like honest reaction when I hear what it's All right. about. Um, Flying. Holy so, shit! Yeah. It's six oh five already. All right, we got to get this ball. I know. Here, I was like, shit, God, just <laughs> you're pretty late. Oh, I just had shit I wanted to say. I guess that did, that wasn't gonna make it. Into okay, the we'll podcast. make the we'll make the chit chat shorter. Yeah. All I'm doing is I'll just say something about the permit and and I didn't pass it again, so I gotta fucking take it again and that fucking shit and how. All right. Vague they are. All right, all right save all that. Um, all right, all right. So episode forty-eight. So here we go. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number forty-eight of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, May twenty-fourth. God, already at the end of May. Um, wow, this year's flown by. I am here with Mike, and uh, you know, hey, hey, whoa, yeah. oh, scared the shit out of me there. Mike can't sneak up <laughs> on me like that. Um, like a ninja. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, if people want to know what I've been doing, it's take two on that intro. Same that, sort of, that, that, yeah, exactly. That, that intro was weak. That was uh, awkward. Okay, because I didn't ask you how you were doing. All right. All right. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number forty-eight. <laughs> Can't. 
can't believe we're doing a fucking take two on the intro. Take three. That's a take three. Yeah. <laughs> Just. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. Tommy was swept over the boat into the Ohio River and died. Sandra was pregnant with Tommy's child. And, um. Edit? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I, I, at that point, I'm going from I'm switching from my notes to the more unsolved. So yeah, wasn't wasn't he also wasn't there some other guy who said he was Tommy? Are you talking about the uh, reincarnated submariner? No, there was some other guy I think that said he was reincarnated. Tommy take, Hicks so reincarnated as well. Uh, while while I'm at, while we're taking a break, I gotta take a piss real quick. Okay. <laughs> Taking a piss, checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty or nice. <laughs> He's taking a piss out. Fuck. That's what I get for singing that dumb song and ruining a Christmas classic. Alright, I'm back. Oh no, Mike, did you go away? Where'd you go? I missed you so. It seems like just forever. Something, something. You guys, you guys out here listening to this shit, you guys remember that stupid song? Where'd you go? I loved you so. It seems like just forever. Oh God, I hated that song. Oh, I hear Mike singing in the background. Listen. Listen to that shit. He thinks he's a good singer. But we all know the truth. Oh, hey. Whoa. Hi there, buddy. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Just getting right. myself a drink, too. And, it is. Yeah, I, got, I remember this. I remember this segment being like really long. I yeah. was just like, Ugh. I know. <laughs> Fucking hate the long ones when it comes to taking notes. But I, I might adjust my way, my method here in the future, and just <laughs> watch the segment and then go off of the. Uh, just make. Yeah, and then and then just write little notes like yeah, stuff that you. I want to comment on. I think I might yeah. start doing that because this way it's just it's it's not fun, dude. It's like a big fucking homework assignment to type out the shit. You know, like verbatim, it's it's a lot. All right, going back in here. Speaking of um, death, there's a thing called reincarnation, folks. Is it real? I don't know. Um, I would say probably not. I don't not. know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what what is that? Is that a reference to something? I don't. Know. Yeah, there's a little. There's some something I remember. But yeah. Okay. Well. I that doesn't do me any good because I don't share your, your same memories that you do. Maybe we should cut that out. Restart. That's awkward. All right. 50 I, I, I don't like that. Mike's doing the fuck-ups this week. That's a fucking change of pace. Um, then... What? <laughs> oh, we're going for a record here. Oh, going for a record here, buddy. Oh, this is going to be fun to edit tonight when I get home at 2 a.m. in the fucking morning. 
Uh, and remember to put in the furniture guy. Yeah, I made a note of that. <laughs> um, 